Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Connections. I'm Eva Longoria. And today, I wanted to explore our connection to laughter and comedy and humor. I feel like there's so many words to describe this wonderful emotion that really is medicinal. And I wanted to have a really good friend of mine who I feel is the funniest man that I know. He's witty and he's clever. So today I'm excited to be joined by Matt Walsh. You may know him as Mike McClintock from Veep. We just worked in the movie together, Unplugging. We had so much fun. He's just hilarious. I can't even describe you, Matt, because you're a brilliant writer and you're a very serious thinker. Like you take your comedy seriously. I think people are going to be excited that Gabrielle Solis and Mike McClintock are finally together. I'm sure this has been long awaited. Yeah, it's like two uh, universes colliding. <laughs> I have for a long time had a hard time sort of internalizing and appreciating the effect of like what we do or what I maybe do and how it influences people. So when people give me compliments, I deflect them a lot or I'm like, well, it's comedy. Yes. Like Me too. <laughs> well, there's a certain humility built into comedy like you mentioned you went to see Rod Stewart. Like music is more powerful than comedy, like 100% true. Music <laughs> transports you to an aspirational moment or a fantasy of what we can be as a planet or a people or a person. And comedy knocks you down and reminds you what we are. <laughs> these flawed, dumb animals who have these aspirations. And so yeah. long story short, I think I've gotten a little better at appreciating the value of comedy and my contribution to comedy. I want people to know, how did you get into comedy? Uh, I was a psych major and yeah. I just- <laughs> Okay, wait. <laughs> you okay, know wait. this, you I know, know this. I know this whole story, oh. but I laugh because I know all the stories of the psych major era. And that yeah. was like, why did you want to be a psych major? Because I think I thought I wanted to help people and I thought you could really like save lives or something. And I, and I was fascinated by- mental illness and the weirdness of like psychology and all the different things that go wrong with people and the, in the history of the, of the science, like how it evolved from like, you know, pre Freud to like Piaget and all those guys and in the various schools of thought and behavior modification. So I really enjoyed the, the science of it. And then at some point 
I truly didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to school in Europe for a year, even just took a year off and uh, discovered improv in Chicago, took improv classes and then was doing psychology after college, improv at night, comedy at night, sketch at night. How old were you at this moment? I was 22, 21, 22, did it for a couple of years and then just decided I had to fully commit to comedy because psychology was just too difficult and the stakes were too high. But when you started to take comedy seriously, did it change your relationship with it? I think I was operating under the function of like, I don't know what makes me happier than doing these like dumb shows or like sketches or I did stand up for a while. And then I knew I could be poor for a while. So I would string gigs together, whatever paid the bills. And so I didn't really have a plan like uh, a career out of it. I just was sort of feeding the gratification and, and pursuing the joy of it all. So there was like a little, wasn't reckless, but it wasn't really a long-term goal. Like I didn't know where it was going to lead. And then fortunately through a series of like moves and choices and going to New York with a sketch group and having success. And also many of the people that I came up with started having success. Once I was in New York, I, th- I think in Chicago, you have to either go to Los Angeles or New York to catch a break. Mm-hmm. You left Texas to catch a break, probably. Yeah. So yeah. same with us. Like when I when I was with a sketch group, we decided we had to leave Chicago to go to New York or LA. And who was in your sketch group? I was in a sketch group with Amy Poehler, Matt Besser, and Ian Roberts. Mm-hmm. And we went to New York in 96. And then in 98, we opened a theater called the Upright Citizens Brigade. And in the same year, we had a sketch show on Comedy Central. And then... Shortly after that show was done, I jumped into The Daily Show uh, with Jon yeah. Stewart, and I did that for a year Yeah, during uh, 9-11, which was a crazy time Wow, to be a part of that show. And that was really good experience and really good training, because that's kind of like your character assassin. You go in, and they have their agenda, like they want to make fun of people who think multi-action rifles should be legal and children should have them in you know junior high school. So you go in and you try to get a pull quote from the the sort of buffoon you're interviewing. So yeah. you'll spend you'll spend yeah. 30 minutes making it seem like a legitimate interview and then you'll go in for the kill and you'll say the <laughs> you'll say the thing that gives you the thing. Yeah, I I love the Daily Show because you you have to be like Bill Maher when when Bill Maher did Religious, do you remember that one? That documentary because yes. he's an atheist. He knew more about religion than the people he was interviewing. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. He's like, in the Bible, you know, there's this, and they were like, well, I don't, I don't really know about that, but all I know is Jesus, you know, and he just like, was, that, it was one of, one of the funniest documentaries I've ever seen. And I'm like, big faith believer, but I just thought like, you got to be smart to be a comedian, don't you think? Or no? <laughs> I think to be a... Uh, I think to be a good one. Yeah, I do. I do. Cause I think comedians write their own material at the end of the day, like to be an actor, I don't think you have to be super smart and I'm not saying actors aren't smart, but as you know, like not traditionally intelligent, empirically mm-hmm. smart people can be wonderful actors. Like you can watch them and they're so interesting and they're like, obviously their facial type or their body type is compelling. There's something about them. So But I do think comedians have to be smart. And I was going to share a story. I was in New York doing promo for our movie, Unplugging. And I was sitting in a park bench in Central Park on a beautiful day. Long story short, I was on the phone. And it's talking about, like, sometimes I don't want to deal with people. So I was on the phone and somebody, like, 
saw me, made eye contact, and they're like, hey, and they came over. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man, I'm on the phone. And I was talking to my wife or whatever. I don't know if I was rude, but I was sort of curt, like, please, I, I can't. And then when I was done, across from me at the same park, you know, bench row, that guy was still there, but he's talking to a friend or something. So I said, all right, I'll be nice. And I, I hung up and I went over and said, hey, man, I'm sorry, I was on a call with my wife. Did you want to ask me something? And uh, he goes, oh, yeah. He's like, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your life as your personal savior? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I haven't, but I do know Jesus. And he's like, well, I'd like to tell you all about him. I'm like, no, no, I, I like Jesus a lot, actually. I love Jesus. He's, he's a wonderful person and a great thinker and a revolutionary. And he wa- but it was so funny because here I was thinking I was being gracious and giving one of the fans their moment. <laughs> That would only happen to you. I know. Oh, my God. Oh, I have so many good stories <laughs> about that. I'll tell you, Can I tell you one more? Yes. So Emmy Week, which you know, you're out hustling and going to parties and being seen. And I was with Morgan and we were done. And we showed up at some Entertainment Weekly party. And they were wrapping the red carpet. And I was like, thank God. Let's just go get a drink because our friends were in there. And we can leave. Because you don't want to go out anymore. You're just done. And so we're, we bypass the carpet and we cut in and the a woman running the red carpet is like, oh my God, Matt Walsh, please, please, please. And she's like, can you please do a couple interviews? I'm like, there, it's over, isn't it? She's like, no, no, there's people here. I'm like, I really just, she's like, please, I, I, it'll be quick. I'm like, okay, fine, sure. So she runs down the carpet and she goes to all the outlets and she comes back and goes, okay, you can go in. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wanted to talk to me. Oh my God. And that's, that is the microcosm. Like I didn't want it to begin with. Then they make you want it and then they don't give it to you. That is like showbiz in a nutshell. Yeah. That is showbiz in a nutshell. Yeah. So many times they're like, somebody will send me a script and I go, this is horrible. They go, right, but you got to read for it. And I go, I don't even want it. And then I do the audition and they go, so you didn't get it. I didn't (laughs) want it. I didn't want it. You guys made me go and jump through hoops for something I didn't. So that's, I mean, that changed my game for for me in the business of like, if I don't like it, I'm not even going in on it. That is a hard lesson to learn. I still feel like I'm learning that sometimes. Like, all right, yeah, all right. You're like, who turns down work? Right? Yeah, yeah. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me sharing memories, and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of like The Daily Show to like Dave Chappelle to Jordan Klepper, there's so many functions for comedy in our society because there's commentary through satire and then comedy can be healing because we have to laugh at difficult things, which is why I like Bill Maher because on Fridays I'm like, this was a shitty fucking week and he will find the dick joke. You know, yeah. like you're just like, oh my God. And then there's escapism and then there's pure entertainment. And so what do you think is the most important aspect of, of comedy? Oh my God. I, I'm not that smart, Eva. That's a I tough know, question. I know. It's like an well, intellectual, you know. the, the most important function. I mean, I guess it's if, if if it's a moment of joy for people, for everyone involved, then that's a great thing. Like however long it can sustain itself. Like it, at the end of the day, like laughter is a good thing. And like people, you know, will pay money to have a cable subscription to watch your show or see you live. And then they, they work their ass off. And so like they get to like just laugh their ass off and it makes everyone feel good. That's really good. And I guess the communal element is pretty great too, I guess. Like, yeah, if you want to like be in a room with other people laughing, whether it's a movie or, or the best version is like live theater, that's pretty amazing. Like sharing a communal event is really probably the high point of comedy for me. Mm -hmm. It's not church, but it is in that world of elevated big picture. We are in this together even though we leave and then we cut each other off in the parking lot with our cars for that moment, we are together and it does make us like good people or we see the potential of being good people. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well here, I mean, another way to put it is like, you know, laughter for me, laughter is medicine physically. It relieves stress. When you laugh, you take in more oxygen. So more oxygen gets to your brain. It increases endorphins. So it physically brings you joy. And it's kind of two-part because I want to talk about cancel culture with comedy now. Before, it's like, you know, in the George Carlin days, it was like anything goes. And now with this cancel culture, I think it's a little harder for artists and for people who are receiving our talent to access that 
comedy and humor and laughter when things are hard or when it's something you don't understand. You know, I, I laugh at comedians within my Mexican-American culture because they will say stuff that I'm like, that is so fucking true. And it's funny because it's true, right? Now I feel like it's a little harder to access laughter through some stuff because of cancel culture. You feel like comedy is about to go extinct? (laughs) Well, it is. Yeah, I I guess it is trickier. Like, I think it's been a trend for a while. I I remember reading articles in the, the 90s about like, people like Seinfeld or these working comedians saying like these college campuses, I I can't even do shows there anymore because I can't cross the line without upsetting the the room. You know, like comedians like Dave Chappelle and uh, the good ones like to cross the line or find out where the line is and experiment with that. And George Carlin, like you said, was a great example. He was always pushing forward. So I think it's kind of been a trend for a while. And nowadays, to me, it feels like there has to be a political like purity. There's no room for failure. And also mm-hmm. everybody wants to have a hot take. You know how like on the red carpet, if there's like a news item. Uh, yeah. Like when your buddy Felicity was in the news or somebody's in the news yeah. and you're just doing press for something. You know, what do you think about yeah. blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah. I just need a moment, man. Like I, I and that's what. <laughs> yeah everybody wants they want you to be correct and have full scope and understanding of everything because at the end of the day is like i told my kids this once i said like because they'll they're very much of the next generation and i learn from them and i try to teach them when i can and they i was like just try to remember because somebody had said something in the news and i and i was i can't remember who it was but they were sort of like oh dad they're not good anymore because they said this thing i said just listen to me said like i think they're actually in general on the good side they're on the side of Mm. progress like look at the whole map of what they do yes yes and don't like throw them away because they stepped in it or they said something wrong or Mm -hmm. turns out what they said actually poked people wrong but the conversation is worthwhile and there is some middle ground around this subject and once people chill out around Mm -hmm. the sensitivity there is like real value in that opinion. You know what I mean? Like there's a million versions. I think we've lost a sense of grace. And especially when you look at somebody's body of of work, the cancel culture like just attacks this one moment in time, whether yes. it's intentional or unintentional. That's the problem is like even the unintentional something is like, well, you know, oh, that was underlying the whole time. And you, that's how you really feel. And you're like, oh God, no, I didn't know that was, it was like, remember when um people would say, oh, she's my spirit animal or, you know, or something. And that was very offensive to indigenous cultures. And I remember somebody had said it, one of my friends, like, I just saw, I saw the apology and I was like, oh, we can't say spirit animal. Like I was getting educated as well. Like, oh, okay. That's good to know. But again, like, I don't think my friend was intentionally targeting indigenous tribes. Right. My point is like with comedy, I mean, with what just happened with Dave Chappelle and the trans community, I didn't really follow the the debate, but I did see like there were trans people on his side and there were trans people against him. Right. So I just thought like, God, I think comedy must be getting harder. It is. I'm sure it is. Like, I miss doing live. I haven't performed live in a long time, actually. Like I used to do improv, like, two times a week. And I think since the pandemic started, I don't think I've done a real, I've done a ton of podcasts, but like live audience stuff, not, 
Not really. I do miss it. And I, I do think like I probably need to find a way to get back at it eventually. But it yeah. is harder. It is harder. Yeah. I will. No, no, I will. I, I think about it. But I also think about what you're saying is like part of me is the fatigue of like, you know, I'm in my 50s and I know an audience for comedy is going to be like 25 to 40, probably or 20 to 40. So there will be some gaps. And I'm like, oh, am I like aged out of being in front of an audience yeah. or something? Because improv is very dangerous, which is what's great about it. It's like somebody will say a screwed up thing and it's not offensive. And then your job is to sort of make that a reality and then often heighten it. And next thing you know, you're down this dark path, which nobody really espouses or lives that way. And they're all loving people and they all see the world as, you know, we're all equals, but somehow they're Mm -hmm. in this dark place. And then if people think you embody those ideas that you're just sort of stepping into and fulfilling, I wonder, you know? Yeah. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together. And that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr. And on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate. Because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave. And then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What makes you laugh? 
Lately, it's been dumb America's funniest video type stuff, like videos <laughs> where, I mean, I know I'm late. It's not late to the train. I just never watched them, but my kids have sort of like- Discovered them? Yeah, or shown them to me. They're like, you got to watch this. And they're so funny. Just human nature stupidity. <laughs> we went to Disneyland the other day and the kids were looking at them in the back seat. And one of them was these two brothers, which is probably an old clip, pranking their sister after she had her wisdom teeth pulled. Have you seen this one? And they, convi they convinced her that a zombie apocalypse was happening. <laughs> and they really did an elaborate prank. And they said, we have to take, we can only take one pet, the cat or the dog. Who should we take? She's like, why? Why? Why is it? And they're like, the cat or the dog. She's like, take the cat. The dog's almost dead. Who cares? <laughs> and it's so funny. And it's just two brothers pranking their little sister. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff that makes me laugh. Oh, my gosh. What is something everybody must read? What's a book that you just <gasps> go? This change doesn't have to be anything comedic. It could be anything. That's a good question. I do a fair amount of self-help. I've been trying to do this one. My wife gave it to me. What is it? It's the Oprah Planner. It's like a date book. <laughs> and you work uh, you, every month. You have an Oprah Planner? Well, every month it works on like the first one was integrity. integrity. The second month was vulnerability. So there's sort of these meditations on traits. And then, it, and it's easy though. It's not like overwhelming and like, oh shit, I got 15 minutes of writing. It's like super easy, but that's not really a good book. That was just, that's just on the <laughs> but table. But that's helpful. It is helpful. Like this, this is like a simple, helpful thing. A good book that like changed me. Boy, I'm gonna have to text you later. I don't know. Like. What am I reading lately? Lately, I'm reading like mysteries. My mom likes mysteries. So I read, oh, really? I read a good author named uh, Tana French, who's an American woman who lives in Dublin now. She's Irish. And she writes these really good uh, mysteries that I think take, that take place in Ireland generally. And they're really good. Oh, wow. But that's like escapism. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Walsh, thank you for being on my, on my podcast. I love it. I adore you. I could talk to you for hours and... I know. You're just one of my favorite human beings on this planet. Oh, back at you, buddy. I had a blast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm happy to be connected with you. Connections with Eva Longoria is a production of Unbelievable Entertainment in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. 
in recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.